playing basketball. I don't have the body for basketball, but I love playing basketball. I love dreaming about one day when I get to heaven, I will slam dunk a basketball. I love coaching basketball, and back in the day when I did it, I, man, I just really, really, really loved watching it. Now, this week, for those of you who are not attuned to college basketball, this is the final week of the season. Everybody's trying to do well this season, catch a little momentum, get healthy, work out a few kinks so that they can catch some momentum going into their conference tournaments and hopefully be one of the 65, actually it's 33, 32 go in by conference championships, but 33 teams that will be chosen to go to the big dance in April, the first Monday night in April, the big dance, the championship game, the final four. And I love it, man. I just love everything about it. I love the lingo, diaper dandies, bracketology, the final four. Man, I love everything about it. People, if you have a crisis, please don't have it on Thursday or Friday in the month of March, all right? I will be watching basketball tournaments in the NCAA. I'm telling you, I absolutely love it. So today we're going to start a new series um, called You Got Game. You got game. And uh, for those of you who don't have a, your heart right and don't love college basketball, let me kind of clue you in on a few things. Just like in every other sport, they have home and away games. Now, on, on away games, you're expected to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And then the teams that just kind of like a toss-up, you're expected to get maybe 50% of those or three-fourths of those. And, and it's tough to win on the road, but where you've got to win... Where you, have, where you have got to, it's a vital importance to win, is your home court. Man, you have to protect your home court, and you should. It's your gym, it's your house, it's your basketball, where you, or it's your basketball rims where you shoot all week. It's your fans. You got all the intangibles going for you. You should protect it. It's your home court. You don't let the other team come in on your home court and do what they want to do. You protect home court. You don't let them come in and run all over you. People, this is home court. We got to stand our ground. Can you tell I've made that speech a time or two in a locker room. There is something to be said for protecting your home court. Turn to the Gospel of John. John writes five books in the Bible, Gospel of John, first, second, and third John, and the book of the Revelation. John is telling us about an upper room experience. It's the last Thursday night of the life of Jesus Christ. He and the disciples are gathered in the upper room. And there Jesus has taught them about the coming uh, realities of, of heaven. He tells them about that wonderful being connected to the vine in John chapter 15. And he prays a, a wonderful prayer, the paraclete prayer, the Holy Spirit coming in and, and John chapter 16. And then in John chapter 17, one of the last things he does before he goes to be betrayed, arrested, Trialed, beaten, arrested, tried, beaten again, and ultimately crucified. He prays for his believers. He prays for his followers. Now, in my own understanding of scripture, I understand that it has an immediate aspect. That Jesus is praying for the twelve. I think it also has uh, an, a, a timeless aspect to it as well. That Jesus was praying for all of us who know Christ as their Savior. That this prayer of protection, this prayer of guarding our home court, 
would be prayed for all of us as Jesus prayed this prayer. It's a marvelous prayer. We're going to look at verses 11, 12, and 15, but the whole chapter is worthy of your time and your attention. Paul, or John, talks about and tells us that Jesus and his 12 friends, the disciples, are gathered in an upper room. And this is where he prays, in essence, that our home court advantage would be protected. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says this. I will remain in the world no longer. Talking about his coming crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection. But they are still in the world. Uh, who are the they? And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. There's the they and the them. By the power of your name. The name that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. In other words, he's saying that the believers in Christ ought to be one with God the Father, one with God the Son, Jesus Christ, one with the coming Spirit, John chapter 16, and one with one another. This whole oneness deal is a heart issue. If you're going to be one with God, it's a matter of the heart. If you're going to walk with Christ, it's a matter of the heart. And if you're going to walk in the power of the Spirit of God, it's a heart issue. And if you're going to get along with the bunch that comes here to church, brother, let me tell you, it's a heart issue. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I protected them. And I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Now Judas is sitting right there hearing the prayer. He knows it's him. Peter probably wonders if it was him because he's got kind of a, a little complex about life and stuff. But then look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. In essence, he was saying that my prayer is that you help them protect their home court. That's my prayer. You see, in essence, Jesus is saying that he had finished, that he had keen awareness of his mission. You can go back to verse 4. He declared that he had finished his work. That word finished from verse 4 is the same word Jesus would utter when he is on the cross. It is a word of deep and utter satisfaction that he has come to do everything that he could do. When I coached, I would tell my kids sometimes... That, hey, another team may be better than you, but they're not going to outplay you. They're not going to out-hustle you. They're not going to outwork you. And when everything is said and done and you come off that court, no matter what the score is, you have to know you've done your best. Man, I want to get back into coaching. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ didn't have to give the speech to motivate his kids and, and to give them kind of that, that little speech. Jesus Christ did do the best. He completed the mission. It was finished. And because he finished the mission, my friends, you and I can have our sins forgiven, our hearts clean and pure. We can know the presence of God in our life. We can know the forgiveness of Christ in our soul. And we can have the power of God in our hearts to do and complete the mission God's given us to do. He's telling us 
home court advantage. Jesus prayed that the disciples would be protected and that this God-given protection would save them from the persecution of non-believers and in our day, persecution from the world. The prayer, that Je- the prayer of Jesus was not for God to send something like rescue planes to evacuate us, you know, from the hostile setting of the world. Such a plan to isolate Christians from the world would be counterproductive to God's plan. Listen, in a basketball game, for it to really be a basketball game, you got to play somebody else. Anybody ever do this as a kid growing up or am I the only weirdo in the, in the thing when I didn't have anybody else to play? Because I don't know if you've noticed this, I'm a little competitive. So when I, I didn't have anybody to play, I'd make up these own games in my mind. You know? And t- dad calls me and mom calls me in for dinner. So time running down. Five, four, three, two, one. He shoots if I make it. Oh, I celebrate if I miss. Oh, he was fouled with no time left on the clock. Anybody ever do that? Thanks for hanging me out. To do- oh, I got a few. So I see some of you going, I don't see anybody else doing that. You see, Jesus Christ didn't say that he was going to come and put us as believers in some sterile, plastic, danger-free safety casing where we would never encounter evil, where we would never have problems, where we would never have a bad day, where life would never get on our nerves. He never promised any of that. He just promised that when life does get on your nerves, that when you do have a bad day, that when your heart does seem to fade away, that you don't give up home court advantage. That you don't walk away from the one who saved you. You don't walk away from the power that that encourages you. The close of the prayer from verse 15 sets forth Christ's expectations from us. He doesn't ask that we are taken from the world. There's no escape from the perpetual mission, from from the task of going out and changing the world by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what he does ask us to do is to keep our hearts tuned so that you hear him. And see, that's kind of what Jesus is praying for. He's talking about, in essence, he's praying for our hearts. And that's our home court. That's our gym. You control what goes on in there. Oh, and the enemy may come, the opposing team may show up, but you control what happens in here. There's no attitude you have that you don't choose to have. There's no direction in life you take that you do not choose to take. Now, things can happen to you, but that does not dictate what happens in you. It is protecting home court advantage. And let me just kind of share with you a couple of things that when you start to lose home court advantage, what does that look like? When you start to lose momentum, you see, we're simply to guard our hearts and not let non-Christian thinking become part of the way that we think. And so let me just kind of throw a few things out. And it's kind of all wrapped up in this whole upper room experience. And the prayer gives us some signals that we're losing our home court advantage. And we're giving our heart away. And we're just kind of fading away. We give up home court advantage when we don't pray. You give up home court advantage when you don't pray. 
Man, that's the pregame meeting. That's when you hear from the coach. That's when you find out your responsibilities. That's when you find out what defense you're going to run in and what situations are you going to do a full court press and what other situations you're going to back up and pick them up in half court. The problem is, is when you stop praying, your heart's left unguarded. The first guard of your heart is prayer and time spent with Jesus Christ. And if you don't spend that time with Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, you will more and more and to a lesser and lesser degree hear his voice. One of the most frustrating things. And I would always ask my parents not to scream and holler. They could do that in the car on the way home. But on the, fo- on the floor, when my team was out there, I wanted them to hear my voice. And if we had to switch from a 1-3-1 defense to a 2-3 or a 3-2 or go to a zone man coverage, man, I wanted them to hear my voice and make the change like that. And I'd be screaming on the side, zone, 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 you know, and they'd look at me like, listen, you've got to hear the voice of Jesus. If you don't hear the voice of Jesus, your heart becomes cold, amen? Your heart becomes callous, and where do you find the voice of Jesus? You find it on your knees in prayer, and you find it in your word as you read it. And I'm telling you, if you don't pray, the next thing you're going to lose is joy. Man, you're going to lose your joy. Now, I'm telling you, God doesn't want you to do this thing because it's your duty. He wants you to live it because it's a joy. But if you don't protect the home court, if you don't protect the heart. The Bible says in Peter, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And some of you don't even speak of the joy, let alone experience it anymore. If you quit praying and you quit experiencing the joy, you know what's going to happen next? You're going to compromise on integrity. You're just going to start taking steps back. And you're going to start fading away. And what used to matter to you is not going to matter anymore. You see, you can find it all in the passage. But when you don't pray and joy is given away, then sooner or later your integrity takes a hit. You begin to compromise your beliefs. And it doesn't matter. It it seems small and insignificant first, but your faith begins to do a slow fade. It doesn't matter because it was a small step and, and, and it, it was a, a lie, a little lie in your heart, a lustful glance here, uh, a, a trip to a place you should never have been, a cover-up, a lie, a betrayal. It's clear that when you hit this point, black and white turn to gray. Prayer, joy, integrity, your heart. Man, for some of you, your life because you haven't protected home court has just turned into this slow fade away and away and away from Jesus. So Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He prayed that we would guard our home court. He prayed that we would guard our heart
with such tenacity, knowing that the enemy would come, knowing that there would be hard days, but knowing yet the choice was ours to follow him, to guard our heart. You see, people, it is about the heart. The difference between us and the rest of the world is not our talent and is not our ability. It's a matter of the heart. And Jesus said, guard your heart. Jesus prayed that you and I would guard our heart from sin, from temptation. He prayed that we would not compromise our faith or fold under the pressure. He prayed that we would know his joy and his joy would be satisfying and his joy would be so fulfilling that we wouldn't have to look anywhere else or to anyone else. But our joy, the joy of our heart would be found in one place, in one of man, in one man, Jesus Christ. He says, protect your home court. He prayed that we wouldn't do the slow fade, but that our life in Christ would shine bright in a dark world. He prayed that we would guard our hearts. He prayed that we would influence the world for Christ, not be influenced from the world away from Christ. He prayed that our desire and our heart would always be for him. Man, this is our home court. This is our house. It's our gym. Guard your heart. And if there's an issue of the heart, Jesus in a basketball vernacular is saying, time out. Let's get it right. And so this morning, I invite you to renew faith by re-experiencing his joy, by by spending some time in prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you be honest with me this morning and say, Pastor, I haven't guarded my heart very well. I haven't protected home court. And there's some sin or attitudes. There's some waywardness. There's just some distance. There's some coldness in my heart. That I need to deal with. And you just say, Pastor, I got to protect my heart. not even going to raise hands Don's going to sing an invitation song you just sit right where you're at and if you need to pray I mean you need to hear from the coach you need a little time out and to get the game plan back right you need to guard your heart take care of home court advantage Don's going to sing a matter of the heart if things aren't right in your heart let's take care of it